Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. You have reached the home of Nostalgic Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, and you've tuned in to Marking Out the Days Extreme Watch-Alongs Season 2. I am one half of your host, Dave Rosenbluth, from Kicking Out of Two, the other home of Nostalgic Pro Wrestling Podcast. Maybe the vacation home, the summer home, whatever you want to call it. And joining me, as always... The man, the architect, the guy who uh, he, he crosses the T's and dots the I's, as they like to say, when it comes to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. My good buddy, Mr. Kobe Knight. Hey, hey, Dave. Thanks uh, thanks so much for the kind words. Always love that. Um, fun I got to put back you here. over. Yeah, thank you. Fun to be back uh, here with Extreme Watch Alongs. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, happy anniversary, dude. Um, we, we just had a three-year anniversary for uh, Retromania, the podcast network. The oh, Pro Wrestling look at podcast that. Network, you know? Look at that. You and I launched uh, three years ago. That is pretty so. cool. That is really cool. I like that. I'm digging that. So, uh, yeah, happy anniversary to you, too. Thank you for uh, for finding me on, on, on the internet, on the, the <laughs> World Wide Web, if you will. And, yes. uh, you know, we've, we've gone through some, some ups and downs, some trials and tribulations, if you will. Uh, when it came to you know formatting and coming up with different things, we've we've dipped our hands in many a cookie jars when it comes to the wrestling podcast um, uh, scene. So, uh, but I think we got, I think we got a good thing going with the the extreme watch alongs, and you know who knows what our theme will be next season. But uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm I, I'm loving this journey with ECW. Never watched half of these episodes. Never watched any of these episodes, I should say. So this has been a lot of fun going back and uh, checking this out for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about this show, Extreme Watch Alongs, of course. If you folks are not familiar with this, those of you who are listening, uh, it is a watch-along show. We like to cue it up on the peacock, and we count down 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and we, when we say play, you watch along with us, and we banter, and uh, we give you some factoids, some information, our take on it then, our take on it now. Um, it's a it's a retrospective pro wrestling podcast, so uh, it's always evergreen, and you can always find all of our content in the archive by searching Retromania, Retromania with a W on any podcasting app or platform um, of your choosing. We have hundreds of hours of content, hundreds of episodes, all evergreen, like I said. Uh, like, rate, review, share, and subscribe if you dig this show. It really helps us grow. Um, I'm getting blown up here, so sorry for the dings and bings. Um, so yeah, let's let's get started, Dave. What do you got going on with kicking out at two before we get into this? Well, we just finished off WrestleMania season, which was uh, we had some pretty good listens and uh, a good following upon the the return of kicking out at two when it came to WrestleMania season. But we're diving into 1997 over on the other side of the, the aisle. With Monday Night Raw, the the March 31st, 1997 episode, I recapped it for you. I watched it recently, and it's up in the streams. That was the night that the New Hart Foundation was was formed with Bret Hart, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog. Uh, that was a I didn't remember that episode of Raw. I was trying to figure out in the timeline when exactly Bret, ta- you know, 
reached out to Owen and Bulldog, and they reformed the hearts. And this was the episode, so I thought this would be kind of cool to watch that. So, uh, recapping, if you will, I was originally going to watch it, but I had a little bit of an audio issue. Uh, Dennis was was here for WrestleMania weekend. We watched uh, WrestleMania Night 2, and I'm sure that we'll, we'll, we'll discuss some of that as well. But... Um, we watched it, and then he stayed the night. We were going to knock out a few recordings, and there was an audio issue. Uh, next day, you came to save the day and uh, helped me out with it. It was something very small, as usual. So, uh, uh, yeah, so we just recapped it. Next week, we've got a recap of the April 6th, April 7th, I should say, 1997 episode of Monday Nitro, WCW Monday Nitro. We're doing Raw and Nitro over on Kicking Out at 2. Recaps, watch-alongs, if you will. And uh, that episode in particular is centered around the, which at the time as, as a teenager, this was the first time I saw a little bit of a crack in the armor with the NWO. The first time we saw some dissension, some turmoil, some vulnerability, if you will, when it came to the NWO in that storyline. So uh, this was the, the Nitro the night after Spring Stampede 97. Uh, so there was a lot following up from that episode. So, yeah, I watched that recently. I'm gonna, it, it'll be up in the streams uh, next week. And uh, looking forward to uh, recapping that with all of you. And if you haven't already, check it out on the on the Peacock, April, April 7th, 1997. Go back and watch. And, uh, you know, maybe you can uh, watch it before you listen to my podcast. And I'll review it. And then we can see if we, we match up. So Awesome stuff. Sounds great. And uh, like you said... It's always there. It's content for you. Dave, you're always pumping out the content. Can't thank you enough over the last three years of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Enough lollygagging, enough ass-kissing, enough brown-nosing. Let's get down to the bare knuckles of this. and then Enough ball-gagging. Yeah. <laughs> and we can talk all things ECW and in-between. Um, you ready? If you got it queued up on your cock... Uh, sometimes your peacock takes a little bit to get started. You got to fluff it a little bit. You got to yeah. mess with the network. Yeah. Uh, season five, episode fifteen. Find it ECW Hardcore TV. We're gonna count down five, four, three, two, one. When we say the word play, hit play with us. Ready, Dave? I am ready. Let's do it. Let's 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 right. let's cue up the cock. Five, four, three, two, one. Hit play. And here we go with uh, the Pitbulls starting it out. Um, the the ongoing feud with the neck injury involving Shane Douglas and one Pitbull number two. Yes, that would be Gary Wolf. As we see the, the footage here with uh, Douglas uh, driving his neck onto the mat. This was the this was probably I would I would venture to say probably the third most important story. Heading into the barely legal pay per view, would you say? Absolutely. Um, and speaking of the barely legal pay per view, you and I next week are going to take a detour on this podcast. For those of you that have been listening and watching along with us, uh, we are going to do what? We're going to watch barely legal instead of the episode of ECW Hardcore TV. Uh, Dave spoke to you guys before about it's kind of like a recap. Usually, ECW does that stuff. So. Uh, we are just going to head into ECW Barely Legal and watch uh, some of the last matches there. The last three matches, if you will. We're not going to watch the whole show because, we, you know, Kobe and I probably get sick of each other after three hours. And I'm sure you guys <laughs> would get sick of us after three hours. But we're going to watch the Taz Sabu match, which was arguably what many consider the main event um, in terms of hype. As well as the um, Sandman 
Terry Funk, Stevie Richards three-way dance, which would determine who would face Raven in the match following. So we're going to watch those last three matches on the Peacock from Barely Legal 1997. We'll give you all the directions to queue up and do your thing, if you will, as we continue to see this uh, this promo here from uh, Gary Wolf of the Pitbulls uh, hyping up his ECW television title match with Shane Douglas at Barely Legal. Yes, got any absolutely. news, any factoids, any trivia? What do you got for me this week, Kobe? I will be uh, adding in some stuff. I'm trying to turn on the subtitles here. My, my peacock is all changed up. Someone got on my peacock and changed my cock all up. Oh, my uh, goodness. It was, it, was a, it was a Pearl Harbor job, something like a, <laughs> behind the referee's back. Didn't, didn't see it. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was like someone took the turnbuckle off and exposed the, exposed the turnbuckle. And then, yeah, I know, wrestling yeah. reference. Didn't really go over well. About four people got that. So <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, this is, um, we saw the I Quit match, though, uh, between Shane Douglas and Gary Wolf. That was last week. Um, on the episode of ECW, so uh, they're they're still they're still gearing up here for another another um, another match together. Like you said, yeah. this is probably the third most important thing going on. Yeah, I mean, if you were to if you were to really like the level of importance that some of these matches um, have heading into that pay per view, I mean, you can make an argument that. The, the Taz Sabu and the world title situation involving Raven are like tied at one and everything else is just kind of fighting for second place. I mean, you got this match that's, as we see, a masked, ravishing Rick Rude making his way down to the ring um, in a, um, it, what kind of sweater is that? My goodness. I mean, it was 97, so sweater, you know, acid wash jeans and cowboy boots from ravishing Rick Rude. He's still, I'm, I'm waiting for him to pull out the fanny pack at this point. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no denying that's, that it's him yeah. right there. And uh, they, like they, said, they just continued that, on. Like you said, it's it's kind of the Midnight Rider yeah, deal with Midnight, Dusty. It's got that Midnight Rider kind of vibe. Speaking of speaking of that, I'm glad we this is actually this actually worked out. Did you catch Monday Night Raw the other night? I caught some of it live, um, so I wasn't Did you privy see the to Kevin the first Owens promo. The first hour, uh, no. Did you did you have you seen the backlash online regarding the 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 debut of the Ezekiel character? He's supposed to be the younger brother of Elias. Yes, I did see how ridiculous that was. Actually, that kinda, I, I did catch the middle of, me that. of this. That kind of reminds kinda, me of this. Right, it's not Rick Rude. It's it's Rob Rude. It's yeah. his brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Midnight uh, Ravisher. That yeah, should have from, been his nickname, the Midnight Ravisher, because he ravishes oh, nice. all the ladies at midnight or after midnight. Absolutely. Uh, from the Observer, actually, uh, they're they're talking about Rob Van Dam is going to be leaving for WCW in June, and sure, certainly that happens, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, he showed up on Nitro, joined the NWO, won the Cruiserweight title. You know, five star frog splashed everyone. It was a great run. Yeah, I mean, hell of a run. Definitely Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, <laughs> said uh-huh. no one ever. But actually, um, yeah, I mean, I I, it's, I think this was the period of time where there was the the rumors of the mole within the ECW locker room, which I kind of alluded to on last week's show. 
Right. And uh, Rob Van Dam was rumored to have been in negotiations with WCW. I had also heard, too, at that time, if I remember correctly, that he was also in negotiations to join the WWF. And that was his his involvement in that, that ECW invasion was kind of a... Um, a way to uh, launch his character on WWF television. There was talk, I, if, if I remember correctly, going back and reading the dirt sheets back 25 years ago, I think they wanted to make him the face of that light heavyweight division that really never took off. Mm. Yeah, I, um, it, it was a different time. Um, and I think that the light heavyweight division would have been cool, but it's always like a failed project. Like cruiserweights, light heavyweights, they just never really give it an, enough, you know? I feel like if, I mean, in today's, I, I think because there's so many wrestlers of that similar size that are wrestling on a weekly basis that it's really kind of hard to differentiate cruiserweights. I think WCW um, presented them in the best light possible. They were, they were, they were the human car crash. They were what got you got it was the pick me up after a segment on nitro or it was the segment to start out nitro where you just had some of the best wrestling in the world sometimes it didn't need a story but the action was the story itself um or it would no steal the show of a paper or, sorry yeah. or it would steal the show of a pay-per-view like spring stampede for example ultimo dragon and Rey mysterio oh yeah they tore that the house happened. down um yeah, yeah that was the, that was that was the night before um uh but yeah, the effect. We actually Dennis and I a couple of years ago we did a watch along of that Spring Stampede. You can find it in the archives over at the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Now we actually had a lot of fun. That that show was criminally underrated in terms of the quality of action on that show. Between that match, Benoit and Malenko had a great match. Um, Savage and DB or Savage and DDP in the main event. Um, that was a lot of fun too. You guys can go check that out. Dennis and I uh, we we had a ball doing that watch along a couple of years ago. So you can find that in the archives. But yeah. Um, the cruiserweights itself, like I said, WCW had the best formula when it came to presenting them early on in the early Nitro days. Um, but now I think in today's wrestling, you know, with so many wrestlers of smaller size out there, I mean, AEW, for example, is a perfect example. You could you could argue that the majority of AEW's roster are technically cruiserweight wrestlers. You know, same yeah. thing with Ring of Honor. That presenting a, a, a specialized division based on weight class um, is just, it's rather silly because the, the majority of your roster is all 200 pounds and under. So, at least with well, Nitro and WCW, you had guys that were, you know, you had wrestlers of all different shapes and sizes. And the cruiserweights were looked as like a novelty, like a special attraction, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, to to that degree of like the the size um, aspect that you were talking about, ECW is kind of like that, you know. Um, Rob Van Dam, Sabu, Taz, not the biggest guys, you know. No, um, and good then point. They, Lance Storm, and then the other talent that they brought in, um, like like the Japanese guys, Spike Dudley taking bumps. They're they're smaller guys. Yeah. Um, e- even to the you know super crazy, and then you you like we to Jiri, Ray Mysterio and Psychosis took a tour yeah. there, you know. So th- they did a lot. Um, yeah. W- what are your feelings on multi man matches with those smaller guys? Are you a fan of them, or it- it's like at to this point, I think it's 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 done to death, and it's too much well, like going triple on. threats and four ways and stuff like that. 
With all the smaller guys, yeah, like an X Division Ultimate X match, like every couple months or something. You know, it's like it's got it's gotten overdone. Depending on the right depending on the right group of talents, it, it can be fun to watch. Um, I feel like they almost take that too seriously. Like they need to treat it as such. It's like it's a car crash. It's supposed to be a high impact match. Like it, it is what it is. You know, what I mean, I think wrestling fans sometimes take they're wrestling way too seriously. I've been guilty of it myself where, you know, matches like that, they, I, I, I feel like there shouldn't, there doesn't need to be a lot of psychological effort in terms of a story. Like these guys are athletes and they're, they're, they're vying for an opportunity at the title or they're vying for the title. Like there doesn't need to be anything like deep seated or, or personal um, going into those matches and having three, four, five of those guys, whether it's an X Division, Ultimate X, or a ladder match or whatever, like those matches are just meant to be fun. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. more than there's nothing more than that. Um, I, I I don't see them. So I, I get it sometimes when people, you know, it, it could be perceived that those matches are just glorified spot fests. I can understand yeah. that, but um, by the same token. Me as a fan, it's, it, every individual is different, but me as a fan, I just look at it as like, you know, it's meant to be a car crash. It's meant to be high-paced, you know, high-flying, and, you know, that's that. You know, that's that's how I that's how I absorb it. That's how I, I digest it when I watch it, you know? Nothing more than that. Yeah, kind of like ECW where you have a tag team wrestling another tag team, and then the another just random tag team comes out of nowhere, and they start a three-way dance. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, nowadays you, could, you can kind of see that... Um, that formula has been adopted at least in WWE on some on some occasions when you watch an episode yeah. of Raw or SmackDown. Two wrestlers will be fighting. The partner jumps in. It's a disqualification. The guy comes out, runs out, makes the save. They stare off. They go to commercial. And then when they come back, yeah. WWE official Adam Pearce just made this tag team match official between, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry against, you know, Joe Blow and Schmo. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, they, they've, some, that's where the logic in wrestling, or the lack of logic in wrestling, comes into play. You know, like yeah. But I mean, it's it's meant to. There, there's parts of wrestling that are meant to not make sense. You know what I mean? In, in terms of trying to execute whatever you, you your end game is with the story. So sometimes Absolutely. there is no logic, and the, and no logic works. And sometimes logic does work. And 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 you know, it just depends on the the individual story itself. As we're watching the ECW fan cam here um, with RVD. Um, and, and you saw Rick Rude said it, <laughs> he could smell the estrogen in the room next to him and it was Francine's underwear. Where are you at on the um, on the, uh, the the cock here? Am I ahead of you? Am I behind you? Where are we at? I'm at 11.47. Where are you Oh, at? God. I'm at 12.23. Okay, so. And I'm speeding up. I'm speeding up. Okay, well, whatever. It's no big deal. I mean, you know, watch at your own pace. Not the no, end of the world. No, because I had a lag, of course, because we're recording and then my peacock wants to act up. You know, I'm trying oh, to perform. Okay. So oh, okay. I'm getting, gotcha. I'm get, getting performance <laughs> pr- pressure. There should be, like, a, um, a, a, 
a technological erectile dysfunction software program for 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 streaming apps that can't keep up with your actual internet like you should be able to have some sort of program that you install like if your peacock's buffering then like you just like you click onto an app and like you somehow access it to like speed it up or like to make it work at the pace that it's supposed to work at you know what i mean like we have Blue, so many bluetooth bluetooth now offers yeah online stuff <laughs> Now we got to get them for for a damn ad. Yeah, I know, right? Where, where's the IT guy at Blue Chew that could help us out with with uh, with uh, getting our peacock uh, up and running? Where are you at now, pal? I am at thirteen twenty one. Okay, so you're in the same ball. I'm about ten seconds ahead of you, but we're watching yeah. this fan cam here. It's all good. Wherever you are at home, if you're watching, if you're listening, if you're jerking off while you're listening and watching, whatever. <laughs> doesn't make much of a difference but um yeah just trying to keep all of us on the same page as we uh, we see this um this fan cam uh, yeah shaky footage. shaky footage talk about a found footage film oh man they're making the the blair witch project over there oh i know right i mean if you think about it ecw was the original blair witch with all the <laughs> with all yeah, the, absolutely. Um, the with with the way that their their production the, i know that it wasn't set up or meant to be that way but the gritty dirty dingy look of their their broadcast like looking like someone you know filmed it in their basement which actually they did in some cases um, yeah um i got some news also all right Speaking let's of, do it shane douglas who's on the screen right there uh pumping this match against gary wolf still and then talking about himself over and over again um yep. From the Wrestling Observer 1997 edition, uh, Sandman and Shane Douglas got into a nearly got into a backstage fight at ECW this prior week. Um, Dave heard a million different versions of the story, but in short, Shane Douglas wanted Brian Lee to be fired for some reason, bitch. Um, and Sandman reportedly told Lee about it, which led to Douglas calling Sandman a stooge, and they had some words and had to be pulled apart. Then a few nights later, they were doing an angle in the ring. Douglas used Sandman's cane on somebody. Sandman felt it was an infringement of his gimmick and started to fight again. Paul Heyman spoke to both of them separately and got them in rooms together. And they all three talked for a long time. And eventually the situation was settled. Okay. All right. So another case of uh, of uh, too many uh Alcoholic beverages and uh, prescription medications absorbed, and then it turned into some stupid fight. Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah. Douglas uh, wanted Brian Lee fired. Interesting. Why? Because yeah, he took it, the money, bitch. Well, he, he ended up, uh, Brian Lee ended up suffering a hairline fracture of his C5 and C6 vertebrae uh, during, okay. a, during the match with Terry Funk. Um, and, uh, he worked the next night against Stevie Richard, but, but the match was only 15 seconds. Um, Lee was expected to, to see a doctor, but he, he doesn't wrestle with ECW again after this. And then he shows up in WWF in about two months. Yeah. He was a part of the, uh, disciples of apocalypse chains. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I could see why they, they put him on a motorcycle because if he stood up for too long, you know, he'd probably be in a lot of pain. So. <laughs> ride around the ring and do wheelies up up and down the ramp, left and right. I could see why they. Goddamn, yeah, Palace, just uh, give him Undertaker, a fucking motorcycle. Boy, you know what I he's mean? He's just like, yeah. Undertaker's just like, here, I got a gimmick idea for you that I'm gonna I'm gonna take later, but you can come get some easy money, bitch. Uh, now I don't know if you've ever heard this story re- regarding Brian Lee, but I had heard a story that I don't know if this was before 
or after he played the the faux Undertaker, um, that he had an affair with Undertaker's first wife, and there was some issues between the two of them. Have you ever heard that before? Never heard that before at all. Where where did you okay. hear that? Ah, I some dirt sheet somewhere years ago or some one of those chat forums. But while we're on the subject of Undertaker, did you catch his Hall of Fame speech? Yes, I did. The uh, the the Mark talks. Yes. Instead of the t- <laughs> Ted talks. Taker talk. Yeah. Yeah. Taker talk. Yeah. Uh, it was very very good. Um, yeah. Uh, I could definitely, like you said, I think uh, you said it on a recent episode of Kicking Out of Two, where you did some recent coverage of WrestleMania weekend. Uh, your thoughts. Um, I agree. I you could see Undertaker taking that on tour. He's a hell of a talker. Grabs yep. your attention, yeah. Um, and, and instead of the five moves of doom, it's the five moves to get there. You know, yeah. Isn't that kind of crazy that he, the five he kind of adapted moves. that? Yeah, five mental yeah. moves instead of the five moves of doom. Yeah, I, th- I um, thought the whole setup was pretty good. I mean, and to be honest with you, as much as I wasn't a fan of putting the Hall of Fame on immediately after SmackDown, it made that show breeze right through. It was only like two hours and some change. That that yeah. show was with like four inductees, and I wouldn't be surprised if they continue that format for future Mania weekends to come, um, just so that they can, you know, have a full house in the arena when people are in town for SmackDown and and the Hall of Fame. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was an interesting way of uh, w- way of doing it, and I thought it I thought it worked out well. Uh, but I kind of hope they go back to a, a, you know their normal Hall of Fame format where they dedicate a whole night to the show. So it gave some mm-hmm. of the other inductees more time, but I'd keep it at like four or five inductees. They don't need like nine or ten or twelve, like, but keep it at like four or five. You got a top guy, you got a mid card, you got a tag team, a female, and a warrior award, and then you're done. Yeah, leave it um, at that. Uh, yeah, like like we said, it, it's gotten watered down. They could have stretched a lot of this out over time, but um, nonetheless, Undertaker getting in there was very nice, and and he he kind of broke a. Broke down a little bit when he spoke of Brian Lee. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 talking about the, you know, he he broke the fourth wall right off the rip. He was like, "I'm gonna speak to you tonight as Mark, and talk about you know my journeys as the Undertaker." And mm-hmm. I mean, the the whole setup with the earpiece mic in, and you know him walking around the ring and addressing certain guys. I just thought it was a overall, it was a, it was very well done, and they definitely did that by design. That's for sure. It wasn't something that like they. That it just so happened to be like they 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 set that whole thing up from the get go for it to be, you know, presented the way it was and how it was produced and yeah I I've said a million times before Bobby Heenan has the greatest Hall of Fame speech of all time, but Undertaker's number two easily, uh, in my opinion. There's been a lot of great ones, but Undertaker really he kind of reinvigorated the concept with the way that he, he his induction came off on television. Not just thanking his mom over and over again and. Uh trailing or his wife yeah you know i mean everybody else i mean it was it, it was well done i i really enjoyed the speech yeah there's some there's some people that are that are brutal um making you feel like paint's drying over there speaking of paint drying it's uh the franchise Shane Douglas promo jesus yeah. christ did they they must have cut like a lot of matches off this episode they must have been some shitty matches and it's like you know we're just gonna cut some promos Let's go to the fucking alleyway where the crackhead fucking smokes crack, and we'll have you guys cut a promo there. <laughs> Do you want to get the uh, the Dudley boys some audio here? Do I want to? Um, sure. Let me see if I'm all queued up, because... <laughs> 
let me because the audio might be a little bit. How does it feel to lose sleep at night, knowing that you ain't the best tag team in the world anymore? We've taken everything that you guys got to offer. Hurricane Cronus, hmm. Air Saturn, Whoa. every moonsault, every flip, every punch, every kick. This Sunday night, in front of the world, barely legal. What makes you think anything is gonna be different? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, uh, still building that feud. I mean, everything on this uh, on this whole episode is just. Building for that barely legal pay-per-view. They got to get in as much as they can and hope people buy that pay-per-view so they can get a good buy rate and uh, hopefully the place is packed. I mean, it doesn't take much to, to pack that sardine can. Um, <laughs> I think it seats like 1,500 people maybe, maybe even a little less than that. Yeah. We got another fan cam match here from the Elks Lodge in Queens. Uh, Bubba yeah. and Devon with uh, Joel Gertner and... Uh, Sign guy, guy Dudley. Yeah. I wonder who's going to come out and eat a 3D. Uh, more stuff. Speaking of, well, speaking of that, hold on. Time out. Time out. Let me ask yeah. you one question. WrestleMania Absolutely. night one, the Usos open up the show and defeat Nakamura and, and the fucking booger guy. And they do the 3D, but they call it the 1D. What are your thoughts on that? The finish. I don't care about the match, but the finish. The 1D? Yep, it's a like, 3D, oh, but they call one. it the 1D because they're day one. We the ones, you know what I mean? Like, first off, D one would have been better. Like Division one, day one. There you, know, you that, go. Ooh, I geez. like that. Uh, I don't know. Um, they they had a feud with uh, Dudley Boys before when the Dudley Dudley Boys briefly came back to WWE. Correct? Yeah, a it was years not ago? pretty good. Yeah, was, they had they were on the kickoff show at WrestleMania. They didn't even make the main card. Right. Oh, uh, um, I like the I like the homage, but I don't like the name. Um, yeah. And I thought that they had a finisher. They do they not have like a team finisher ever? They would do the top rope splash, like both guys off each. Oh top yeah, rope, both of them you know, do it. The yeah. Or they would super kick you forty seven times. You know what I mean? Well, maybe their knees are getting worn out. Uh, age is getting yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh yeah. All oh, that tribal chief dick they're sucking, their knees are hurting. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, Paul Heyman. My tribal chief. Oh, my tribal chief. That is like, it's so over the top and cheesy. <laughs> I mean, he's doing a great job in performance, um, yep. but nothing will beat the Paul Heyman of, of this day, like 97 to like 2001. Even his early stuff with Brock was pretty good. Oh, yeah. That, you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, when when they first brought Brock in and he was the agent, and yeah, I liked it. I, I liked his presentation. But uh, Dave, yeah, I'm having gotta... trouble on your headphone line. Uh, 
I'm getting some. Can you hear me? It's 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 clicky. It's clicky. Okay. I don't. I mean. Hold on. Let me. All right. We're good. We're good now. Okay. I think so. Sorry. Um. Sorry about that, folks. No, that's okay. We're live. We're live. So. We still got more fan cam stuff. Uh, like you said, the gangsters coming out, taking care of the Dudley boys. They answered the call. Now, why would now hold on a second? They had the before that they had Saturn and Cronus against the Dudleys. Why would we care about their pay per view match when you've already got them in another match? Like it, it's, it's this I, is, I know. barely legal's like the 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 night of the rematches. But then again, I guess you could make the argument that. You know, the, the ECW pay-per-view is going to be broadcasted worldwide, or at least nationwide. And, and they, the larger they know audience that those has not guys seen some perform. of these matches. Yeah, and they know that those, yeah, they know that these guys are going to work well together. So, I mean, it's it's being broadcast to a larger audience. Some people haven't seen those matches before. Yeah, the diehards may, may lose their shit and... And, you know, boycott the, boycott the product for about 13 seconds. But um, aside from that, um, it seems like Barely Legal is, is the, 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 the night of the rematches, if you will. Yeah. I also don't think at the time that uh, there was that many rematches televised, you know? We, we're well, I mean, privy we to seeing Douglas so and- many. No, I'm talking about in the, in the, oh, back in the industry as a whole. Yeah, in 1997. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, rematches were 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 built back then for long, drawn out stories. I mean, nowadays, I don't mind rematches if they make sense. If there's if the either there's a stipulation added to it, or if it's you know to further some of the story. But um, my wife, whenever she watches with me, which is very rare, although she watched WrestleMania Night One. Actually, she watched both nights with me. She didn't stay up for the main event for night two, but um, she's she even said she goes, you know, and these guys wrestled before, or, you know, I'm sick of seeing the same old matches, you know. Yeah. But she's a casual fan. She's not, you know, she's not a diehard. So right. I mean, yeah. Uh, my significant other, she stayed up for night one, all of it, and uh, enjoyed it, and said that was really fun. Then we started watching night two, and she was like, "What the hell is this?" And she was like, "Now I see why you hate on the WWE." And I was like, "Yeah, this is all like night two for me. Just did not hold up as much." Night two, I thought was good, but I didn't think it was as good as night one. No, I I will say I I each night were good in their own rights, but night one was slightly better than night two. Yeah, what didn't you like about night two? Um, a lot of the the feuds I didn't really care about uh-huh. going into it. Um, there and then we had the Jackass match was fun. That, that was, was fun. fun. I laughed during that match. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I, I enjoyed Pat McAfee's performance, and yes. then we got crazy old Vince McMahon. Oh man, he, yeah they didn't need yeah they didn't need to do a match with. with they Vince. drew that out too long. He he can hardly move. He could hardly yeah. kick. What was that? Yeah, he was doing his best Orange Cassidy impression. Something. <laughs> yeah. If it, um, if they just left it to a run in like Vince came out Vince came in in the end him and Theory were putting the boots to to McAfee and then boom the glass breaks Austin comes out I would have been cool with that but they drew it out Vince took the jacket off it got a big pop then they made it a match and then Vince looked like he was manhandling I'm like come on 
I'm like, yeah. Pat McAfee would smoke your fucking old ass. And McAfee, to his credit, man, he put on a hell of a performance. And Michael Cole, that was probably one of the best calls in wrestling history that he has ever called his match with Pat McAfee. I really thought that that was it was well done. That whole setup was was well done, with the exception of the, the post match stuff with Vince. But but Austin coming in at the end kind of saved it. So the celebs killed it this year. In yeah, my I was just going to bring it. that up. So what what would you? I mean, what are your thoughts on celebrities becoming wrestlers and getting involved in this industry more and more? I think out of the three that took place at, the, at this past WrestleMania, Logan Paul's got the brightest future of them all. If he wanted to do full-time WWE, you know, he, he could. I mean, the way he conducted himself, his psychology. I said it on my, 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 my recent episode of Kicking Out at Two. If he told, you know... Everyone else, hey, I'm done with this. I'm going to commit to WWE. He'd have a bright future. I mean, the moves, his performance, his his charisma, everything. Like he's to me, there's yeah, not many people that you could be... say would be the next Miz, but he would be the next Miz. Yeah, it 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 have to be a lot of money for him, I think, uh, contract wise. But he'd get a lot of TV exposure, um, which he always longs for. Um, and like you said, they're great athletes, but are, are they going to be the part-timers like there every week or are they, you know, going to just have a WrestleMania moment, SummerSlam match and, uh, and like one throwaway match? I mean, I can see McAfee kind of adopting the role of part-timer as a, as a, you know, he'll commentate full-time, but he'll have a match every once in a while, kind of like Shane McMahon. Like he'll, he'll, he'll kind of have the Shane McMahon spot. Logan Paul, on the other hand, I would not be shocked based on his performance if if they were to offer him a part time deal. Like he is the he he has a Brock Lesnar type of contract, but as a celebrity, they bring him in for the big shows, work around his schedule, but and then in in the in the interim he trains, you know, for for those matches. I, I could I could see that. That's how good his performance was. Yeah, that was good. Uh, we see Saturn and Kronos here. Um, look at the, those sweatsuits, the Adidas jumpsuits. They got their, their finishing move embroidered on it. That is pretty cool. <laughs> I, want, I wonder, I, honestly, that, no, that's really cool. I wonder how much that cost them because those, those guys were eating cans of tuna and potatoes on a nightly basis based on Paul Heyman's um, payroll skills. Yeah, it looks like Kronos um, was eating something more like psilocybin or something. He's looking, uh, <laughs> he's looking pretty creepy right there. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, let's just go to bit. some more uh, Observer news. Stevie Richards and Axel Rotten both have major heat in ECW. Uh, Richards went on Mark Madden's radio show and joked about going to WCW if they pay him more than Chris Jericho. Uh, then wow. he worked an indie show where he put over the Disco Inferno clean. Heyman was upset with Richards and is supposed to be in a major match at the pay-per-view that's coming up. Um, and you don't do a clean job to Disco Bef- Inferno before the biggest you know, show in the company's history. Um, and Axel Rotten, he went to a WCW house show in Baltimore and was used as a security guard. And he broke up the Benoit and Kevin Sullivan fight from Baltimore. Whoa, interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And I thought Disco was was on the payroll with WCW. I'm surprised that they allowed him to work an indie show. 
Absolutely. Um, I, I guess at the time it was a little loose uh, with 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 getting some other bookings. Yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised WCW guys were even working for other companies. To, I know. I mean, now that now that we we're, we're we're speculating on it, I do vaguely remember that he was let go by WCW um, at one point in that run, but like it was short term and then they brought him back. And I want to say it was revolving around the, the Jackie incident um, where he was booked to, he didn't want to take a body. He was wrestling Kevin Sullivan on a nitro. And I think he didn't want to take a body slam or something like that from her. And he he said, I'm not going to do it. And they, they, they shit canned him. Yeah, that's actually uh, right here in the Observer News. Uh, Disco Inferno, he's telling the indie promoters that he isn't available for any dates after July 1st. Um, And Dave rumors that he's going to the WWF. (laughs) Well, that that wouldn't surprise... At that time, it didn't surprise me because it was during that time period where um, Honky Tonk Man was on WWF programming looking for a new protege. Oh, wow. Could you have imagined that? That would have been interesting. I mean, they had him scouting Road Dog, who was the real Double J at the time, and then eventually they they would give us yeah, Rockabilly. Yeah. Um, but uh, just hold on one sec, there, Kobe. I have a phone call from work. Absolutely, Dave will be right back as we're watching some Sabu tear some hello some undercard talent up. Um, yes, sir. I'll take it. Thank right, you. Uh, like Thanks. he like Dave was saying, you know, uh, Disco Inferno in the WWF. What would that look like? That would be. Very interesting. Uh, I want to get Dave's reaction to that when he comes right back. Here he is. Dave. I am back. Okay. Dave, uh, as we're watching Stuff of Sabu, um, a recap here that ECW does perfectly for this uh, big build for him and Taz, this long-awaited match. Uh, what What would your thoughts be on Disco Inferno and the WWF being an intercontinental champion at the time? Eh, maybe the European champion, but huh? Intercontinental? Eh, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see them or trying to pitch the with story. Rocky, maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that uh, that uh, it wouldn't last very long, especially with Honky Tonk Man and the way the direction was going with the company. You know, more attitude. Uh, this was, you know, right around the time USA Canada and Bret Hart, you know, really ramping up the 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 edge in his character, as well as um, <clears throat> as well as uh, what's uh, you know Steve Austin, you know, just turning babyface. So I don't see it lasting very long. It would, I feel like it would be too much of a comedy character to be taken seriously. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's just as, me. As we see, I could see him, um, you know, feuding with The Rock briefly, you know, yep. uh, to try to get The Rock over. Maybe, uh, yeah, they, I can, they, I can they definitely were, see that. They were pushing for that really hard. Yeah. Um, as we see on the screen, it's, Taz, I want to taste you. Uh, Taz <laughs> talking about trying to taste Sabu, probably. Well, let's hear the audio. Again. Let's see if sure. let's see if he's gotten enough taste from Sabu. That would fight me to the death, to the finish, to the end. Push me, Sabu. Ooh, I know. Come to Philly and push me. Okay, easy there, pal. Bring it all, Sabu. Oh, I know. <laughs> I beg you, I plead, I pray, the old Sabu shows up. And when he does, 
He's gonna hit a wall. <laughs> Me. I promise. I am not only going to beat you up. I am not only gonna blow you up. I am hey not now. only Jesus. gonna stress you. I'm gonna choke you out, Sabu. I'm fucking kinky. It's gonna be a war. I know it's gonna be. Yeah. And I also know you'll probably change our future careers. Oh yeah, I certainly will after that. And I love that. <laughs> I bet you do. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much I could smell it. Ooh. I could feel it. Oh wait. I could taste it. There we go. Oh, I can't wait. I'm sure you can't, Taz. To have my hand raised in victory and look down on the mat at your sweaty... At your pussy? Is that what you just said? Battered body, Sapo. I'm going to choke you out, Sapo. Again? I thought you already finished. I'm going to choke you out. That's three times now. Because I have to. I have to choke you out. I don't have a choice. And neither do you. This Sunday night, Sabu. This Sunday night. Two years of waiting. Two years of anger. Two years of frustration. You know. Who come to a pushing halt. I'm sure. Yeah. You are going to get choked out by me. No kidding. I'm going to make you pay for making me wait. Yeah. I'm going to make you feel like... Huh. I have to! Sabu! I'm gonna choke you out! Again. See you on the 13th! Sounds like Taz just got out of prison and he's trying to have some sex. <laughs> he wants to taste Make somebody. me wait! Man, taste you! Uh, intense promo. I mean, we've heard a lot of it before, so it wasn't that new to us. But I like the uh, the towel over his head and then not showing his face until the very end. Added yeah. a lot of uh, intensity to it. And the orange kind of lighting in the backdrop and the Team Taz to Dojo, that was pretty cool. Yeah, they just need to punch it up a little bit, you know, make it a little slicker. Um, yeah. Uh, but overall, I, I want to see the match, you know? Yep. And yeah. I, it's been a minute since I've seen that match, actually. Speaking it's of. been a long time myself, so I'm actually looking forward to watching that with you, as well as the remainder of that show. Yeah, um, as we are, you know, getting some promo stuff from, look at that forehead of Sandman. That's from crushing beers on your skull, dude. Ugh. Real, real, real good stuff there. Yeah, yeah there do some go. more. Yeah, just make it worse. Oh, boy. And then you can um, stand in line for your tetanus shot. Do you want to hear what fans uh, write? Dave, there's 12 questions about WCW being shitty. 
<laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear what these fucking window lickers have to say. In 1997. Bike seat sniffing yeah. Meltzer, Meltzer cult followers. Go ahead. Uh, from the March 31st Nitro, these are questions about, uh, why did it open with a five-star classic between Giant and Lex versus Rick Fuller and Roadblock? Oh, my God. <laughs> they really made me want to keep watching Nitro. Dave responds, Lex is always a good draw, and uh, it's important to get the jump in the first segment. That's hilarious that he actually gave Lex Luger a compliment. Credit, yeah. You know what uh, I mean? If he's not from Japan, five feet under, and not named Okinawa, fucking, he's usually shitting all over everything. Yeah. Um, why does Roadblock have a job with the most important wrestling organization in the U.S.? Jesus. <laughs> this is like uh, mean tweets before there was mean tweets. Yeah. Dave responds, he's a really huge guy who can go up for the rack, and it makes Lex Luger look impressive. Eh, Okay. Question three, why do the women's cruiserweight division when they hardly have a women's heavyweight division? Right, we spoke about that last week. Uh, yeah, the that was, that, women's cruiserweight title that was uh, here and gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a head scratcher. Dave says, uh, beats me. <laughs> uh, four. No, why Taz actually the- was beating himself earlier in that promo, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, number four, why did those little Japanese women keep smiling during their match? And Dave responds, because just before the match started, they both found out that Sonny Ono wasn't going to manage either of them. Oh, my Yikes. God. <laughs> uh, not to cut you off here, but we're watching a Raven promo in someone's basement. And um, he's sporting a new ECW heavyweight championship. Yes. You noticed that. Very yes. nice looking ECW heavyweight title, I must say. Has a, has a classic look to it. Has, he's the first one to uh, to don that. Uh, I believe I, so. I love the look of it. Um, yeah, it looks very, like a championship. Like uh, unless, uh, unfortunately, today's titles nowadays don't look like championships. You know, like everybody, it looks like a replica title. Like you know, not this one, but every other title looks like a replica championship belt. Like the back then when you wore the belt, it looked like a championship. Now these yeah. are just. They're just belts with logos on them. True, true. Um, d- minus a few belts, there's some belts that that look really cool. Um, like which I, ones? I, I liked I liked the new Ring of Honor belt. Um, it did have the logo in the center, but it looked like a, a nice heavyweight championship. Uh, and then yeah. I I loved the IWGP heavyweight championship, but then they ruined that and turned it into like oh, when they the merged Divas it with championship. the with the yeah. Intercontinental. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, yeah, and it, that it, title it, definitely looked like a, a a true championship. Right, right, definitely. Um, all right, uh, yeah, I guess I guess Heyman said, uh, "Let me use some of that McMahon money and let's upgrade our titles so they don't <laughs> so they don't look like mock <laughs> WWF belts." Yeah, I know. Because that's essentially what they were. My tribal chief, allow me yeah. to spend a few dollars out of our account. Vince McMahon's like, um, you need a TV title? Here, here's the belt that Bob Backlund won uh, and lost to Diesel. <laughs> they reuse that. Hey, pal, you remember that belt that Mr. Perfect destroyed on Saturday night's main event? <laughs> this could exactly. be your new world title. God, that's good shit, pal. Uh, continuing on with these questions, um, 
Why did Prince Iakea set the chair back up on the ropes when it was falling? Does he enjoy getting chairs, ch- chairs kicked into his face? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so um, he'd been studying. He'd been studying some stuff from RVD because they looked like uh, they wanted to have RVD in WCW, so they were setting up for that. That was Meltzer's response. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, number six. Why does Chris Jericho do his guardrail lean near a bunch of guys? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But. Dave, Dave Meltzer responds, he doesn't cheat on his girlfriend. Oh, okay. A good answer, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, question seven. Why did Renegade run to the ring if he wasn't going to save or attack Jericho? Uh, Renegade. Uh, Dave responds, he got lost on the way to the strip club. <laughs> uh, question number lost, eight. Why? Yeah, why... why- Terry Funk in the cornfields. Look at this. Oh, wow. Let's go to this. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll play the audio for this. Wow, they really went personal with that one. Go to his dad's grave on the the, the Double Cross Ranch of Amarillo, Texas, as we close out this this extreme watch along of the the barely legal preview, if you will, of ECW Hardcore TV. This was a uh, it was an okay show, okay episode. We talked yeah. over a lot of it, but you know that's what we do. Yeah, um, I mean, you can't really talk too much over a re- uh, recap of uh, you know prior builds and stuff. It's more or less the audio doing itself, uh, you know, working for itself. But uh, yeah, we try we try to make it fun here. Uh, you want to hear the rest of these questions real quick? Yeah, let's let's knock these out. Let's do it. Okay, why is WCW creating an angle involving Renegade? Uh, Dave responds because they want to get the last laugh on all of us dummies that don't know the first thing about the business, who laughed at their booking when they tried to keep keep putting over, putting Renegade over Steve Austin and Arn Anderson. They're going to show that that out of all the three, he's going to be the biggest long term star. Yikes! That doesn't work out good for Renegade. Um, number nine, why didn't they bring Beulah instead of Debbie Combs? She looks a lot better and is a better wrestler. Um, Who's Debbie her, Combs? Um, it's one of the wrestlers that Medusa was going against. Uh, oh, okay. All right. I got you. Question number 10, why does Medusa think Akira Hokoto's name is Hokoto Akira? Answer is clearly because Japanese, they, 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 they do it differently. It's last name first, first name last. They, uh, just, so they, I never knew that. So they announced they pronounced their last name first, and then their first name last. Correct. So oh, okay. Ka- Kazuchiko Okada, the way they they announce him, they say Okada Kazuchika. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so question eleven: Why does Lance Ringo spray paint NWO over Kim, Kimberly's picture? 
Um, and the question is, what do you expect from a guy who can't decide whether he's copying Lance Von Eric or Ringo Starr? I don't remember Lance Ringo at all. Yeah, same here. I do remember Kimberly's picture spray-painted NWO, that Playboy. And I remember searching online on my America Online free trial at that time for, uh, for, for, for some pictures of Kimberly. And I got to see some titty. I was, I was one happy, uh, one happy 13, 14-year-old boy. Yeah, do you remember the like the the horrible Photoshop ones where it's just like their face on an obvious scene from porn? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded you ever watch Pee Wee's Playhouse as a kid? Yeah. Remember Jombie, the, the uh-huh. genie in the box? It looked like it looked like a floating head they just put on this person's body. So they took Kimberly's head and they did this horrible Photoshop job and they put it on some some woman's body that was getting that was getting slam dunked from behind by some fucking Neanderthal. Oh my god. All right, last question. Number 12. Why is Nitro so bad? Um, and Dave Meltzer answers because Kevin Sullivan books angles that make perfect sense. And then at 7.45 p.m., 39 different guys say that they don't want to do those things that way. And they all want to do the storylines over and build up to the next pay-per-view. And each week we see the results. Maybe Kevin's angles might not have made perfect sense either after that. Oh, man. That's hilarious. That's hilarious because it's because there's been a lot of narratives um, depicting that, you know, the infamous, you know, it's not going to work for me, brother. Um, yep. But which, which, speaking of that, have you watched the the um, the evil episodes on the network yet? I have not. Peacock? I have not. So I watched the Hogan one. Okay. And they talk about Hogan's rise as a babyface and how he, you know, brought wrestling to the mainstream in the WWF with the red and yellow, and then his act got stale, and he was in WCW, and then they had to change it up. He joins NWO, et cetera, et cetera. So they bring up the the his creative control clause that he had in his contract and Nash tells Kevin Nash tells a funny story where you know they'd be at a TV taping and and he he, he the way he described it he was like and then Terry walks in and does the it's not gonna work for me brother and then we gotta change everything up well fuck you <laughs> yeah I just I just had he like the stories that Kevin Nash tells that he had to uh, book a nitro then write the story for Thunder the week ahead and think about yeah. the, nitro, the Nitro after that. Yep. And then when things changed, he had to fucking rethink it all. You know, it's like... Yep. Ugh. The way that they booked... the way, Yeah, he, yeah. I remember watching a shoot interview where he said you booked like... You, you booked a week's Thunder ahead of time before you even taped the, the, the current Thunder or some shit like that. He said it was He said it was so backwards that like it was it was a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, but you look at companies like this at the time, uh, ECW, they have all these shows in the can, so they're just kind of giving you uh, snippets and bits and then a lot of recaps to fill in the other yeah. stuff because their roster isn't that deep. Um, no, and then they're pretty li- thin at the time. Yeah, live TV just takes over, you know? Yeah. Um, which, uh, to this day, three hours is way too much live wrestling uh, every week. Uh, what, in terms of just Raw? Yeah, yeah, or any product. Yeah. Three hours is way too much a week in one sale. Yeah. I mean, they get money for it. That's the only reason why they're doing it. But, man, it's – I mean, I, I certainly don't sit through a three-hour Raw, you know, especially, you know, if, uh, if I'm off. If, you know, yeah. if I happen to be off on that night and I'm not working. Um, usually I'm falling asleep before 
you know, the, the, the end of the third hour. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's just, it's a lot. And I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping that once the company, um, when their, when their TV rights deal is up and they renegotiate that someone takes them on, that they, that, that, that they shorten it to two hours. Cause it's just, it's, it's, the last 10 years of three-hour Raws have just been brutal. It's brutal. There's maybe been like four good three-hour Raws where the show flowed where it didn't feel like you were watching a three-hour show. But that was it. Yeah. So. Oh, all right. Well, good talk, man. Good episode. Yep. Um, we yep. had a lot going on. So uh, let's, let's catch up with everybody next week when we cover... Barely legal from their first pay per view, um, ECW's first pay per view. Barely legal. We're gonna we're gonna let you guys know the timestamp, and you can queue it up and watch along with us. It's gonna be replacing next week's episode. Just FYI. Uh, thanks yeah, we're again, not gonna, We're not gonna watch hardcore TV because it's gonna be a recap of Barely Legal. So I thought, why don't we just watch some of the the, the, the more hyped up matches from Barely Legal with all of you? So it'll be two days removed from the. Actually, no, we'll be on the 25-year anniversary. We will drop it on the 25-year anniversary, April the 13th, so that will be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Dave, sign off. Uh, let everybody know where we can find you. You can always find us on any podcasting app by searching Retromania with the W. You can write to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. You can like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. It helps this podcast network grow. Thank you all for listening to us. Dave. Sign us off. Kicking out at two is on Podbean. It's on part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're on Facebook. You can find us there as well as our Twitter handle too, at Kicking Out Two. And I think I no wrong show, wrong wrong close. I was going to close with my normal. It's about that time we put the show down for the three count, but I wasn't going to do that. So see you later.